The Spectator combines incisive political analysis with books and arts reviews of unrivaled authority. Subscribe today for just £12 and receive a 12-week subscription in print and online, and get a £20 Amazon gift voucher absolutely free. Go to spectator.co.uk slash summer. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Natasha Feroz and I'm joined by Katie Balls and Kate Andrews. Kate, we've had a rare piece of good news on mortgages today. What is it? Yes, Natasha, we do. Um, And good news is rare these days, so it's nice to lead on it. We have mortgage lenders, about four major banks, announcing that they're going to start to cut their rate offers uh, since last week's monthly inflation update looked better than expected. Um, It now does seem that the headline rate of inflation is falling pretty much in line with the bank's expectations. If that continues, it should come down quite significantly by the end of the year. These are huge ifs, right? This expects everything to go in the right direction. And the first half of the year has been proof that that is not always the case. But what is key is that market expectation around where interest rates might peak, which are our major tool, our major lever to get inflation under control, has reduced somewhat. So even a week ago, the market thought that peak interest rates would be about 6.5%. They now think it's going to be closer to 6%. And some of the major banks are saying this is going to be reflected in the rate mortgage rates that they're offering to customers. So HSBC was the first one to announce earlier in the week they're going to cut their rates by about 0.35 percentage points. Nationwide's pledge to follow suit. TSB plans to drop up to about 0.55 percentage points right now. Barclays is looking at something smaller, but the point is that these mortgage rates are going in a much more desirable direction for consumers coming down as that is reflected in where people expect interest rates to peak. And Katie, Sadiq Khan has had some good news as well in that he won the court battle over ULETs. Not so much good news for the five councillors that were against him. How do you think Keir Starmer is going to be feeling about this result? Yeah, I'm not sure it's good news for Keir Starmer either, um, really, because we've been seeing that quite public row play out, something we're talking more about on the Saturday shots, effectively between the Labour leadership and the London mayor since uh, the Uxbridge by-election result last week. And quite an active decision by the Labour leadership to come out on the Friday morning Angela Rayner, Kirstama's deputy, but also the leader himself, and publicly say we need to rethink um, some of the issues around Ulez and to put pressure saying Sadiq Khan also needs to think about this. And to me, I think the fact they're going so public with their criticism suggests that they don't think they've had much luck behind the scenes. If you speak to Labour figures, um, those close to Kirstama, they're frustrated because they feel as though they flagged some time ago that this was going to be a tricky issue when it came to the Oxford by-election or just generally actually with those votes in the in some of these London seats and they were dismissed by members of Sadiq Khan's uh, team or his supporters who said no this is much more a social media thing this isn't actually what lots of voters think and they think they were proven right so question for Sadiq Khan as to whether he does tailor some of these things to, to ease uh, the burden for certain figures when it comes to the cost but so far, it feels as though it's largely Labour central office saying he should change. And that's leading to hints that Sadiq Khan is going to tone down the policy rather than anything material coming from City Hall itself. Ross Clark has an interesting uh, piece on Coffee House this morning uh, looking at the ruling. And, and I think he quite rightly notes that regardless of what you think of the ultra low emission zone, 
policy, the fact that it's regressive, um, and all the rest of it, isn't so much the point. If, if, if you value democracy, then it is quite right that these uh, decisions are, are put back in the political arena, which is what he says, rather than, you know, trying to decide them through the courts. And I think he, he's right to put emphasis on, on how much the courts are being used these days to make ultimately political decisions that, that should be fought out in elections, that should be fought out between politicians. So, you know, it, and, and he also points out this, this wasn't really about the merits of the policy. It was about the legality and the process through which we saw consultations and the rest of it. And in that sense, the ruling was right. Yeah, the consultation was fast, but it was legal. And then we can continue to debate the policy, which I'm, I'm, I'm sure we will, and as Saturday Shots alludes to as well, um, is, is probably going to become a, a, an even bigger one as we go into a general election. And Katie, it is recess at the moment. Rishi Sunak's even going on holiday soon. What are the big stories on the agenda that you've got your eye on? I think one of the most interesting things for me this week was actually a Twitter thread by Rishi Sunak in which he accused Keir Starmer of being on the side of people smugglers. Um, And it was effectively a Twitter thread which he then used to talk about what he's doing on small boats. Now, we have talked many times about Rishi Sunak's own problems with small boats. So I think that's a pretty well-trodden topic for us. But I think it indicates a more general new approach that we're going to see a little bit over the summer, but particularly in the autumn, which is Rishi Sunak's team do not want to use the R word and say reset. Um, I think it's largely because resets are often letdowns or suggests that you're admitting defeat or panicking. But we are going to be seeing a change of pace for a few reasons. Um, And that's partly because you'll have the party conference speech where he can set out a fuller vision. You'll have a reshuffle when MPs return, most likely, which will... May, may, there may be tinkering again before the next election, but this is a big, the big pre-election reshuffle, or at least the first stage of it. And then you also have the King's speech where they're trying to set out a clear agenda. But it seems as though, speaking to various figures, also there's going to be a tone shift where Rishi is going to be much more in the space of attacking Keir Starmer, whether that is uh, the government attacking and all him doing so himself. And therefore... There are lots of uh, almost howls of outrage about this Twitter thread. So you have the Labour peer Stuart Wood coming out and saying, you know, he thought at least with Rishi Sunak it would be an end to some of the divisive uh, uh, politics and the deception under the Boris Johnson era. And therefore he was very disappointed. I think people like Wood are going to keep being quite disappointed because in a way, because the polls have not moved in the way that I think those around Sunak would have hoped it was going well before the local elections I think in terms of plans we're now at throw things at the wall and see what sticks and therefore attacking Labour on issues where there is a dividing line so energy is one of them but obviously the net zero thing is a, complicates it because the Tory party itself is not united on the right thing but energy a dividing line crime and I think you see a lot more in terms of attacks um, on Keir Starmer's record as DPP so it's going to get um, quite gloves off I think. If you go back, I think about four months ago when Keir Starmer was doing those dirty tricks Labour attack ads, it ultimately did divide opinion. I think there's always a question of these things. Are they effective or not? I think they can be more effective for the Tory party than the Labour party because Labour politicians and Labour voters can be a bit more indignant about, oh, you're going into gutter politics. I don't know. What do you think, Kate? Do you think Rishi should get in the gutter? I don't think it it really suits Bran Rishi to go too far into the gutter, but the difficulty is that with the Tories in in such a difficult place in the polling, they're going to be looking at 
whatever messaging they think can have some kind of resonance, and they're probably going to try to capitalize on it, even if it doesn't really add up with how we view Rishi Sunak or the party that he's overseeing. I mean, one of my big concerns going into the next election and even in the lead up to that is that, you know, a lot of this is going to be based around immigration. And you can already see that the Labor Party is actually very nervous to criticize the Rwanda scheme. I mean, they say, look, we would do things different, we do things better, but they're very nervous because they know that politically speaking, this could prove to be a popular policy. Ethically, I think I've already expressed on this podcast, I have my doubts, but politically speaking, it, it clearly does have some traction. And you just do wonder how low that's going to get and how desperate that's going to get and, and, and the, the dangerous territory, I would say, we might, we might start to stray in. But this is what happens when economic times are really tough. People look for others to blame. It's kind of a classic in the playbook. And I'm just hoping that between Rishi Sunak and Kiyostama, they do agree on some kind of, unofficially agree, on some kind of baseline here that they won't slip beneath. Thank you, Katie. Thank you, Kate. And thanks for listening.